0: Pleasant Good Evening, Mets fans, and welcome back to the Pleasant Good Evening podcast. It's episode 48. Sam Lebowitz and Jack Hendon, as always, soon to be joined by a special guest. More on that in a few moments. But first, Jack and I, we want to talk some baseball. Obviously, this baseball podcast. Uh, Things are still kind of bad in Mets Mm -hmm. land, Jack, right? Maybe not quite as bad as last week. Like, maybe not going to be quite as negative this week. However, that's probably because... We're not going to talk so much about the actual inner workings of the organization. Um, and we're, we're more, more numb.
1: We're yeah, more we're numb. To numb.
0: All of it. And we get to distract ourselves by talking to a side armor today, but more on uh, Tom Hackamer later. later, um, Jack. Yeah, things still not good, mm-hmm. but, you know, hopefully things are good with you. How are you?
1: I'm doing okay. Uh, this, this the unfortunate reality of this is that this is kind of the only thing that I pay attention to, and 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 you know, am willing to commit like three, four hours of my day to, in terms of you know like what I like. So watching the Mets has been pretty rough this week. We're recording this on Saturday in the early afternoon, so we don't know what's going to happen in games two and three against Philadelphia, but game one last night was pretty uninspiring and also pretty par for the course with what they had given us in Miami. And they're currently a half game out of first. They're now behind the Phillies. That's the first time in over 90 days that the Mets are not, uh, occupying first place in the division. And it's just been, I mean, it really hasn't been that much different from like what we saw in the brave series, um, or what we saw over the weekend. Like this is just kind of This is just sort of who they've been, I think, uh, the last two weeks. And it's unfortunate because we were talking, I think two episodes about having a chance to be like 10 ahead of the Braves. And not only did we, I think, fail in that accomplishment or even gain anything over that team, we're now behind another team, a team that I consider to be the worst, admittedly they're hot, but, um, you would think that this Mets team would have put something together by now. And ultimately it's just been like, it has actually been maybe the most frustrating point of the season. And again, I said that we're numb to this and it's true that we are because last week was just so bad. And I think a lot of people off the heels of that assumed that we were going to continue to feel bad. Um, good thing is there's still two months of, you know, left in the year, but the bad thing is it doesn't look like things are ever going to get better
0: yeah it's uh it's bad baseball right now it's depressing really uh, the Mets like you mentioned out of first place for the first time since May the 7th was the last time the Mets did not have sole possession of first place and not only that the Mets are in danger with a loss today they could fall into the third place in the NL East because the Braves Mets and Phillies are all bunched together within a game of each other the Mets are a half game back of the Phillies the Braves are a half game back of the Mets they've lost seven of their last nine I believe uh, they lost three of four in Miami, mm-hmm. and they dropped the first one in Philadelphia. We apologize for not being able to cover the rest of the series. Whatever it was, either record mid afternoon Saturday or early afternoon Saturday, or don't record it all this week. So um, you get what you get, and you don't get upset. Uh, I'm sure we'll, I'm sure there will be lots to talk about in these last two games, but you know we will just uh, talk to a minor league reliever instead. Um, they're not hitting at all, uh, they're getting on base fine as they always do, you know, but they've got 49 runners left on base over the last five games between the four games in Miami and the opener in Philadelphia. And they're not hitting with those guys on base, obviously 49 left on base. That's your averaging a little bit less than 10 runners left on base per game in that five game span. And in that span there are nine out of 51 hitting with men in scoring position. And four of those nine hits, four of those nine hits came in one game. Uh, The the finale in Miami, which they didn't even win. Mm -hmm. They went two for 13 in the one game in that stretch that they won with runners in scoring position. And I don't think either of those two hits actually scored a run. So they're not hitting at all. The pitching has been fine this week. Not good. Like McGill had the big blow up first inning where he gave up the grand slam to Brinson. And Tywan Walker just kind of had, like, a mass start, but he's been giving us nothing but meh starts since the All-Star break. Mm-hmm. But, like, that stuff wouldn't matter if the team was capable of putting up six or seven runs in a game, yeah. which they're not. Yeah. Like, this is pitiful right now. When they fell behind 2-1 last night, it felt insurmountable. And then when Harper hit the home run, that was the dagger. That was like, ah, we're a second-place baseball team now. Mm-hmm. And they're, man, they just, they're playing real bad.
1: Yeah. I'd say tie games are insurmountable. I I, I look at tie games like and I'm like, they're not going to win it. I just, I, I literally in, imagined before the DD home run that we were down one, nothing. And then when I saw that the homer was what gave the Phillies the early lead, it was like, well, all right, well, you know, it's a good thing. That's the only one that's happened so far. And I think to your point about the pitching, like, that's what i think is really at its core the most frustrating thing because we spent most of the post deadline episode talking about how like the front office really made a mistake by not doing anything about pitching and that this was you know a a tumbling structure waiting to fall over because again taiwan walker has hit a wall the bullpen has been stretched out pretty thin i mean the 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 red series. And then the end of that Marlin series, they were really digging in, like asking for work from loop and familia. And in familia's case, he didn't exactly look great. Diaz didn't look good, but that's a, you know, he was gone for three days. Um, Cause his, his, he had, you know, the birth of his son, which congratulations, Edwin, that's at least something good's happening to somebody these days. Um, but it's like the pitching is actually doing fine. Like we were so upset. We were like, you didn't really need, a bat as much as you needed reinforcement with the pitching, but then the pitching turns out okay. And the hitters aren't hitting. It's like Javi Baez first week of Javi Baez. The taste of it is like, it's pretty much what I think we should all expected. Like he's going to hit home runs uh, and he's going to give away like nine of the 10 at bats where he isn't hitting home runs. Like he's, he swings at pitches that have no business being swung at uh, and he takes pitches that he should be also hitting for home runs. Like, maybe Lindor coming back is what what turns this around. I did not care for an acquisition in which it was contingent on another player, like, being there at this deadline, you know? Yeah, to the,
0: to the point on the pitching. The Mets pitching this week kept them in the games for the yeah. most part. I mean, if you take out the first inning grand slam, whatever, against McGill, even that, it was – 4 nothing in the first inning, and then by the end of the top of the third, it was 4-3. to The Mets were back in that game. Mm-hmm. That's a 6-3 loss the next day, a 5-4 loss, then the win, then a 4-2 loss and a 4-2 loss. So it's not like they're getting blown out. These are just frustrating, close losses, and they're losses where the team is teasing us late, which is like yeah. obviously it's a thing that the Mets have done a lot in the past. Um, Someone either on Twitter or in a group chat I'm in last night – after the Bryce Harper's Homer last night against the Phillies uh, in the eighth inning, someone said, well, now they're just going to hit like a, a two run Homer in the ninth inning and yeah. cut it to a one run game and still lose. Like yeah. and sure enough, VR hit the lead off home run in the ninth inning. Like they, uh the five, four loss, it was, it was four to three. And then they gave up a Seth Lugo, gave up a run to make it five, three. And that felt like the dagger. And then of course, James McCann hits the two out two uh, RBI double to make it five, four again. Yeah. And they strand him to end the game like they've been teasing us all week, all week, man. Yeah, And it's so annoying. And the inability to hit with runners on base is one thing. The inability to hit for power at all is like the biggest culprit here. I think they're not hitting homers Mm -hmm. and in baseball today, you need to hit homers. And they're just they're not hitting. They're not hitting the ball at the ballpark, which has been an issue like all year. Yeah, And I feel like we started to kind of forget about it a little bit after the all-star break. Cause they started to hit for power, but the power is like dissipated now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. I, I it's, it's the situation where everyone's pretty much assuming that like Alonzo or, or bias is going to run into something. I mean, no one else is really hitting for power and the the other component of this. Uh, and it's the part where I think like, because realistically being a half game behind the Philadelphia Phillies in the division is not something that, should end your season but when you consider the fact that jeff mcneil is like never a guarantee to play three games in a row brandon nimmo isn't slugging anymore and have the quad thing jd davis is bad; is playing with a bad hand and it's evident um like this team is just breaking down like this is a group of players that is not i think ready for a for a 162 game season and like you know if Lindor were here, things would have definitely been different. I think him being absent is something that has, uh, you know, you you feel it with the way this offense uh, fails to come through. And also just, I think, like, even pitchers sometimes failing to settle down, it's like you wish that Lindor was there to talk to them uh, from shortstop. And it's it sucks, right? But also, like, you know, there they're, we have three guys who are hurt, one is Javi, you know, one of the active guys is Javi Baez. Uh, one is Michael Conforto, who's been just way too inconsistent at this point, because it feels like he has a game once a week where he puts a lot of balls in play at high exit velos, or maybe he squeaks out a single and a double, and he's still drawing his walks. So you think that like, all right, he's going to just break out. He isn't. He's still batting like seventh because he hasn't gotten any results out of any of it. The only player that even I think like really gave me good at at bats yesterday was Dom Smith. And he just had the one hit that scored the run before VR homered. And it's just, you know, it's, it's stuff like that that almost I think puts me at peace with missing the playoffs because like this team's not beating the Brewers there's two months left in the season, but like neither of these teams are going to beat the Brewers. And I don't want to like hang a divisional flag and celebrate something that really ultimately amounts to just playing three extra games in the season. Like, that's just, you know, it's, it would be a further waste of time. The games themselves are a waste of time because you know, in the fifth inning that they're over and yet you have to watch for three more innings because they're only down like one or two, like whole thing has just been a tease. Um, I don't really even know who to blame. I don't even know if it's like worth blaming anyone because it's just like, it's not even going to make me feel better anymore. It just sucks. Yeah, it's not
0: it's not fun. They need DeGrom back because that's a game a week where you could be like, All right, if we could squeeze out two or three, we'll win this game. Um they need Lindor back. I feel like Lindor, even though he, you know, obviously wasn't having his his best offensive season, has an effect on this team. Yeah. Like that was pretty clear to me. Uh like the little bro hugs that he gives the pitchers on the mound when they're struggling from shortstop like i feel like that that kind of stuff has a tangible impact
1: yeah
0: uh and i do i maybe it's just wishful thinking at this point that when he's back on the field he will elevate javi's game because i have not been all that impressed with javier bias through i have
1: not been at all i I mean again it's exactly what we expected but it's
0: exactly what we expected it's the home runs are going to be fun the shit that he does on the base paths. That's great. The little swim tag swim, uh, you know, slide that he did on, uh, on the, in the win in Miami. Now that, that's real fun. You know, that was a sports center, top 10 play. Like that's cool. Love that. Um, haven't really seen him really flash the leather. Like he had that relay against the reds. That was nice, but like he hasn't really flashed the leather yet at shortstop. Uh, I'm sure when he does, that'll be a lot of fun, but Oh my God. If he swings at one more two Oh or three, one breaking ball, I'm actually going to like throw my phone.
1: Yeah, I can't do it for four years. Like, unless Lindor shows up with a Snickers bar and turns him into another player or whatever, you know, like magic that needs to happen, having your best friend next to you on the diamond, like I can't do it. I don't really care like about the, the benefits because every rally, every ninth inning, every situation he's come up in besides the one home run, I don't trust him. And that home run too. It was like, I mean, it was, it was great, but also like, you know, I mean, I'm not going to shit on him for hitting a home run. Right. But also like, you know, that it's only going to be home runs. He's never going to work a walk. He's never going to. And he has, he has, I think one walk since he got here. And it's been seven or eight games. He's allergic to him. I mean, he gets into so many two Oh three Oh counts too. They really need to just like give him a take sign and like find him if he doesn't obey. Which is absurd because this is a guy that you traded for to like, you know, keep your offense alive, keep your season alive, and like, you know, revitalize the fan base because they've they've been upset that they haven't really seen a star power player with Lindor out. But like, God, man, it it this is so not Chris Bryant and it's so not Trevor Story. The Cubs had
0: Cubs fans had to go through this for five years. Are you kidding like the ups and downs of this week with Javi alone, his first week as a Met unbelievable highs and lows it is like the biggest roller coaster that I've like ever seen in my life because the highs are so high like he does really cool stuff on a baseball field like the things that he excels at on a baseball field no one does better nobody applies a tag like Javi bias nobody slides like Javi Baez like it takes a certain amount of talent And energy and excitement as a baseball player to make the act of sliding a must watch thing. But every time he's on the base pass, he has a chance to make something happen. And like, there's no other player like that in baseball besides like Fernando Tatis. Like, the things he does well on a baseball field the base running, the defense, the hitting homers and looking cool after you hit homers no one is better at that. But the things he's bad at on a baseball field no one is worse at and I'm talking pitch recognition. I'm talking drawing walks. I'm talking making contact. If this was, a, if you traded like 4% from his strikeout rate and added it to his walk rate, he'd be one of the most valuable players in baseball. If he was striking out 4% less and walking 4% more,
1: yeah.
0: he would be one of the most valuable players in baseball because that would add 20, 30% to his on-base percentage. And it would mean he's putting the ball in play more
1: mm-hmm.
0: Pretty like, much. but he's a guy who, despite all the home runs is only barely above league average. Offensively. If you look at weighted stats, if you look at WRC plus and OPS plus, which is mind numbing, it's unbelievable that a guy who's capable of hitting the ball as hard. And as far as Javier Baez is two, 3% above league average in terms of offensive production. And that's just – it's a testament to how poor the pitch recognition is and how bad the strikeouts get and how, you know, bad the on-base percentage is. And it's really bad. I
1: guess they assume that, like, Hugh Q is going to, like, fix it or whatever because he's the pitch recognition guy. He's, like, the draw walks guy, which, like, sure, it's better than Chili Davis, but also, like, I mean, we are not seeing results with Hugh Q, really. It
0: it might not even be the – pitch recognition with Javi it might just be the approach there just might not be any approach he might just be trying to hit the crap out of the baseball every single time he gets into a hitter's count and is in swing mode on 2-0 regardless of what the pitch looks like coming in he like I've seen him spit on some breaking balls Mm
1: -hmm.
0: like I think he's capable of recognizing spin at least a little bit I think a lot of the time he just doesn't care and he's willing to sell out in case he's right that you know maybe it's a fastball coming in instead of a breaking ball Mm -hmm. and as a result. He's wrong more than fifty percent of the, ch- the time on on in those counts because pitchers know how to pitch to him. He's got to be like ridiculously easy to pitch to as long as you have like a decent breaking ball.
1: Yeah, I'm definitely not enthused with with this whole situation with him, and I want to like him because like he's got a lot of great energy. It just you know it it it's going to be very difficult to just do this without Lindor and hopefully they aren't really giving us updates on Lindor either which like like they said he was very ahead of schedule like the first week or so that he was on the injured list but we don't really like know what's happening right unless I've been away from from my phone at the right time like they haven't really given us any rehab notes have they
0: no they they haven't really given us anything like that they uh, I think about a week ago you know he had been taking ground balls. He had been fielding during batting practice, and he had been starting to take light, light swings off tees. I think. Yeah. But they, I haven't heard anything about him being close to a rehab assignment, and they, they need him back. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And,
1: the and- only person that's really like been sold as on their way back at all lately is Jordan Yamamoto, which is like, sure, bring you know bring him in, but like you know there's there's really been nothing on the Degrom front, which really hurts and also makes the prospect of losing to Milwaukee, like a little bit more um, not palatable, but I think like I'm, I'm more like at peace with that happening because like, of course we're going to struggle against Corbin Burns and Freddie Peralta and Brandon Woodruff if we don't have Jacob deGrom. But um I mean, yeah, it, it's just a bummer. I, I, I don't know, man, this is just one of those things where the, the good thing I guess is that like, I don't know how much better the Phillies will be next year. The Braves getting their guys back next year will make them a threat again, but we still have, I think a, a, a decent enough window. I just, you know, I'm, I'm even thinking off season now, like who you keep, who you don't keep between Baez, Conforto, Strowman, Syndergaard. um, you know how you how you work that out but also like yeah things can change i don't know things can that's, change that's- and
0: I, i'm st- i'm still in like you know we could still win this division like all three teams bunched up at the top none of those teams are good um like it's just going to be a, a matter of like who can outlast the other two it's going to be like a war of attrition whoever wins this division is going to finish with like 86 wins
1: and, and that'll be at it. at most. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That'll be it. And we'll uh, we'll see how it goes. And hopefully you have DeGrom by, back. If you can win the division, hopefully you have DeGrom back by the postseason and maybe you can make a postseason run with, uh, with DeGrom and Carrasco at the top of the rotation and maybe Cindergard in the bullpen or whatever, you know, it's probably wishful thinking, but there's scenarios in which they can win some playoff games. So I'm not willing to just be like poo poo. This team is dead in the water. They got to start performing on the field. Um, but this is certainly still like, it's not the end of the world that they're a half game out on, uh, on August 7th. Like it's yeah. not the end of the world, especially cause the team in front of them and the team directly behind them are equally kind of shitty. So yeah, for, I mean, forgive me if I'm like trying to be somewhat optimistic here, but I, I think that hopefully we'll, uh, this will lend itself to some exciting, impactful baseball down the stretch. Now, we talked about help on the way. Um, you said that Jordan Yamamoto is mm-hmm. really the only hope on, help on the way that we are aware of. Um, why don't we introduce a guy who, who could theoretically be, be help on the way, uh, who's our guest today, who's a reliever in AAA with the Mets right now. His name is Tom Hackamer. We will bring him in in just a moment. Tom is an interesting story. We'll, we'll lay out some hack facts for you. Tom Hackamer went to Bishop Malloy High School in Queens, so he's a local kid. Um, continued on to play college baseball at St. John's. So he is Queens uh, born and bred through and through, even down to the fact that the Mets drafted him originally in the 15th round in 2015, he did not sign. Um, And then the twins picked him up as a senior sign in 2016, which is where he had been uh, for the past number of years. This is a guy who was the big East pitcher of the year in 2016 before getting drafted by the twins. He posted an ERA, Barely above one, one point oh three. And this is after like not having a lot of pitching experience. He was a shortstop coming into college.
1: Jacob uh, so he's Jacob de
0: Basically, yeah, obviously. Uh the difference between him and de is that he only throws about 92 uh from the side, if that um he's a side armor, making him the third side yep.
1: armor. Third
0: weird guy that we've had on the cast, in but you know, or
1: weird guy, third side armor. I, I, I I, don't, I, I would put Ty Kelly in the weird guy category, but yeah, it's yeah,
0: um, uh, because we've had Josh Hedgego, who's a submariner, and Trevor Hildenberger, who's not, uh, you know, who is also throws underneath in some fashion. Um, he was, uh, he was with the twins even till this year, bouncing between A AA and triple A the last couple of years, uh, and then. After a bad week in AAA, the Twins cut him. Um, he was sad about that, but the Mets came calling about a week later and said, hey, you, uh, you want to come home? And he said, ha-ha, sure. And he's, uh, he's been in the Mets system, um, spent about a month, month and a half in Double at Binghamton, pitched well, and has been in AAA Syracuse for the past couple of weeks doing his thing there. We will talk to Hack in a moment. He's a real fun guy. He loves making content. He loves being active on the baseball internet communities. He's a real stand-up fella, and he's uh, become a, a pretty good friend of ours. And uh, we've been meaning to get him onto the, the podcast for a while. Before we do that, we'll take a quick break for a, a little brief advertisement, and then when we come out of break, we will talk to Tom Hackamer, and we will see you then. And welcome back. We are now joined by Tom Hackamer, right-hander in the Mets organization. Here alongside myself, Sam Levitz, and Jack Hennon. Tom, how are you doing, man?
2: I am doing wonderful. Glad to be here.
0: We are so glad to have you. Feels like we've been trying to, like Jack and I have been trying to actually, like, figure out a time when an invitation to you would work. Because, like, we've been, like, kind of online friends for for a little bit now. So I felt like this was a pretty natural marriage having you on the Pleasant Good Evening podcast. And we're excited to have you. You've been in Syracuse now, a place that I am very familiar with as well. How are Lovely. you enjoying the city of Syracuse, man?
2: Lovely Syracuse, New York. Uh, it was an improvement over Binghamton. Yeah, uh, definitely feels a lot more like a city. It seemed and not as just as if, not just the stuff around a college.
0: Yeah, it seemed as if, uh, in talking to you, you seemed to have some. Uh, unnatural disdain for the city of Binghamton which I haven't spent any time in Binghamton so I don't get it but seemed warranted based on what you were saying
2: there's there's just nothing like I imagine when school is in session it's a lot better like I have friends who went to Binghamton uh, Mm -hmm. and they did not speak that poorly of it but being there in the summer with nothing going on was not great definitely not great and now I'm in Rochester and I've Uh, I never made it to Rochester with the twins, and getting to see it now, I'm a little grateful. Uh, I'm disappointed. My hotel room does not contain a Book of Mormon. I've seen nothing pertaining to the fact that this is where uh, the Church of Latter-day Saints originated. I'm hugely disappointed in that.
0: But they have plates with just mountains of random foods on it so yeah
2: how is your culinary delicacy that you hang your hat on something that has the word garbage in it <laughs> that's what we're that's what we're working on here
0: the uh i mean it's the battle of the foods syracuse and rochester garbage plates versus salt potatoes which yeah
2: is that even uh is that are salt potatoes even a real thing or I is it we just can like do better uh, well, surely
1: really a thing that like you guys invented even like it's, they're, it's they're a season, a normal food. It's
0: just like the, the <laughs> origin. It's like, so Syracuse is the salt city because they had like a bunch of sw- salt quarries and stuff and, and mining like in Syracuse for a while. Like I know some SU students still go to like an abandoned quarry, just like dick around sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sounds like the start of a horror movie. And yeah. so they just they took that idea that we're like known for salt and took potatoes not even big potatoes like the smaller versions of potatoes and slathered them like baked them got them nice and tender slathered them in, in a butter sauce and salted them and that's like our delicacy
2: that sounds like how you would eat a baked potato
0: it, yes except the thing is is that they're not full size like idaho russet potatoes they're like half the size of those
2: okay so it's you know you're having a just a smaller potato like exactly exists already
0: I've been in Syracuse for three years and I, I still don't get it.
2: Yeah, It sounds like, if I didn't hear that whole explanation just now, I would have said that it sounds like something that Rochester made up so that their garbage plate seemed superior to something.
1: Yeah, yeah it's a low bar for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we did this with Hildy. Uh, we did this with Hedga. Uh You probably have had to answer this question before in some form or another. Uh, but it is always fun to get a sense as to how people end up throwing the way you ended up throwing. So, what? Yeah, how did that? How did you end up throwing the way you uh, you throw now? Is it what what brought you to the uh, the sidearm submarine side? I guess.
2: So I think that my story is a little different from both of theirs because uh, I know Hildes and I vaguely know Hedge uh It's also weird that we all throw sidearm and all of our last names start with H. Yes. Um, but for me, I pitched 0.0 innings in four years of high school baseball. Hmm. Uh, I actually didn't ever play a position that wasn't shortstop. Uh, I could not hit to save my life. Uh, insert the uh, I think you should leave me he can't hit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but I was a pretty good fielder and i had a pretty good arm uh and at one point i was just like at a camp doing something throwing across the infield and ed blankmeyer former st john's university baseball head coach and current brooklyn cyclones manager
0: saw him last night
2: yeah good old eddie b uh he saw me throwing across the infield and made like an offhand comment to someone he was with like oh that kid would probably like you know i was five ten, like 160 pounds i have like a very weird Uh, lanky frame despite being 5'10". He's like, like he would probably be a good sidearm pitcher. And My hitting coach at the time was also there uh, and it wound out that I ended up going to St. John's with the opportunity to walk on as an infielder, which I was basically advised don't do that because you're not that good Uh, or you could try pitching. I was like, all right, and try pitching. Uh, I go out to the bullpen. My second throw or so Pitching coach, who was Scott Brown at the time, was just like, oh, and by the way, you throw sidearm now. I was just like, all right, cool. And that's how I became a sidearm.
1: That's it's funny you mentioned the the sidearms and H's thing. You actually, uh, so you're familiar with Nat Ballenberg, right? I am
2: familiar with Nat
1: Ballenberg. uh, Instructional coach, because he actually was pitching coach at Haverford, yeah, uh, where I go, it's funny that you talk about all this. Uh, I actually also tried out For my team my freshman year as a pitcher but because my vila was so bad I just decided like just try sidearm like your best chance like making this team is just by like being the weird dude so I did that a little bit too it wasn't nearly as successful like I hit like 69 once in a bullpen and then like but I didn't know where that I I struck out like I think our only left-handed hitter with like a slider in like a sim game and it was just like all right like I peaked but (laughs) um That's pretty much like, yeah, it's, it's very tempting, but also like, it's something that very few people can, I think, like really do with precision and and get it done. And also in your case, like you throw fairly hard for someone who goes from that angle. Um, Having watched you just like do pull downs. um, I mean, pull downs are different than, you know, off the mound, but just, you know, the momentum videos are really interesting too. Um, I guess that's a question that I also had uh, because that's something that like, it's pretty much like the only baseball-centered, I think, content on YouTube that really like focuses on the players as much as it does. I mean, you know, MLB every once in a while I think tries to like mic somebody up or um, get something entertaining in there, but that's definitely like the athlete vlogs are, are hilarious, uh, and like not even just your vlogs are, are really good. Like they definitely like know what they're doing, um, and you obviously know what you're doing too as somebody who's online a lot. Is that something I think for you as someone who has at least been in the field of like engaging fans and engaging baseball fans where like you, you I think, did you come away from any of that with ideas as to how baseball could market itself in its own way? Because that's something that like we talk about all the time on the pod It's just that like it seems like we never really hear from Major League Baseball about like the best players and we don't, I think, get the best I mean, yeah, what's your uh, – what What uh, would you change about any of that? Because that's something that also is very, like, unique to you. Uh,
2: all right. Well, the – I enjoyed doing the momentum stuff. Uh, it was just – it got depressing. We They cut out the minor league stuff uh, mostly because the minor league blogs weren't good and didn't do very well. Uh, mine included in that. Mine was the best, obviously, but – Uh, like mine still weren't very good (laughs) they were i thought they were hilarious because i think i'm hilarious uh and i watched some of the other ones i was just like man i wouldn't watch this if i like i would like i wouldn't have watched mine if i didn't if i wasn't me so yeah uh i appreciate that some people did but um it was super depressing to like put a lot of work into it and then see like you know i it got like six thousand views and then you know Eric Sim swings his dick around at the Padres stadium with Paige Halstead gets a hundred thousand views. I'm like, great, all right. So this is what like, people don't wanna like see. I think that's the issue is that people don't wanna see like uh, no one gives a shit. Like if there's no entertainment value to it. Like mm-hmm. if you knew, if you know me as a person, like my vlogs were very in line with like my sense of humor and that's wonderful however like that's not reaching your larger audience and that's not bringing more people into it unless you're taking seven years to grow it yeah um and I think that that's like you know is marketing like how much do you need to market Mike Trout right like Mike Trout's the best player in the world he occasionally tweets about you know the weather in New Jersey and it's just like He's the best player ever. Is he an interesting personality? I legitimately don't know Mike Trout, so I have no idea. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I don't know if that's like, I don't know whose fault that is at that point.
0: I think it's just at some level, just a bit of bad luck because everything that I've heard indicates that Mike Trout's kind of like just buttered toast as a human being.
2: Like yeah, he's, like it's, he's it's not that he's not a like a good person. It's just like he is not not that he's not marketable, but like he's, he's not a little the person reclusive. you want to Yeah. He's it's a like, it's like it's, it's like De DeGrom. DeGrom's De the best pitcher in the game and he's just like, Yeah, I want to go live on my, you know, farm or whatever he does and you know, not talk to anybody. Yeah. Which is great, but it's bad for like the social media aspect of growing the game to new followers.
1: Right. For sure. Because I think those guys, what they have in common is, like, you definitely, to be that good, uh, there's always a sense of, like, being able to tune things out and just, like, not put your attention elsewhere. Like, I think of DeGrom and I think of somebody that has just, like, always wanted to play baseball or work toward baseball. And it's something that, like, you definitely have to sacrifice, like, your ability to engage with people. And, um, I mean, that's not to say these people are, like you know, anti-social, right? Because like, if I were sitting next to Jacob de deGrom, like I'd have so many questions for him. Like, it's not like they're not interesting people, um, but they definitely need to like lock it on to just that one thing, which is probably why like Fernando Tatis is such a big deal right now. You know, like even as somebody who doesn't play 162 games in a season, like, you know, the heroes of yesteryear did, like he's somebody that, is always active and is always, like, I think, doing what he can to, like, spread baseball and grow it. But that's interesting, too, because, like, yeah, Momentum definitely made an effort with that. Um, and, it, you know, I saw that a little bit with, uh, with like, what they did where they'd, like, sit down players and just ask them, like, straight rapid-fire questions, and you get a you know, basically. Yeah, like,
2: and it was, like, a very worthy effort, certainly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, not to say that that's over, but it's certainly been hindered by yeah. – <laughs> uh, <laughs>
1: We legalities
2: yeah <laughs> um but the yeah i think that they've made a great attempt at it it's just like it's either an aspect of like marketing it properly or it's the aspect of like <laughs> the other unfortunate issue is like do you, how much do you really want to know your favorite player yeah. like how much yeah. like at what point is it just going to become a disappointment like oh no this guy actually thinks this
1: yeah. yeah, like like just imagine like being like a Jewish kid in Philly like growing up rooting for Steve Carlton and then you learn what he thinks about Jewish people and it's like okay right. yeah and it just,
2: oh no yeah like it at a certain level like the like the accessibility to the players is super cool yeah. until it isn't
0: yeah yeah. yeah unfortunately quite a few of these dudes around the league have some bad ideas about certain you things. might
2: find this hard to believe however
0: yeah. uh, some people
2: think dumb stuff. Yeah.
0: yeah. Incredibly, the Mets being below the 85 percentile in vaccinations doesn't actually indicate any of that. Just kidding. Uh, it does, unfortunately.
2: Good signs.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, Jack, you brought up like an interesting point to me that there's like this conflation between guys who are not good at talking to the media and people thinking that they're just boring. Like I- I've heard that Jacob deGrom is like hilarious as a person but he just doesn't talk to the media. He doesn't like talking to the media. Like as someone, I just spent a summer around baseball players. Nine out of every 10 baseball players just like, do not like talking to people who are the media. Like they'll have a nice conversation with you, but they're not going to be animated. They're not going to be willing or as willing to sit in front of a camera, but that doesn't mean that they're like boring individuals or that they don't have interesting things to say. They just like, don't want to say it in front of a camera or in front of a microphone or in front of a journalist. Um, which is part of the other issue is that as someone who's in the media, I think people are afraid of the media because they're afraid of like what they're going to say being taken out of context. There's like a vilification of the media, but I just, I just don't like that. I mean, it's, it comes from a lack of understanding and I'll get off my little broadcaster journalist soapbox in a second. We'll get back to the interview, but that's just what I wanted to add to this. Um, we can talk about, we can talk about. Your time in the Mets system now because it's been short, um, uh, I mean, it, two,
2: nearly two months now,
0: yeah, but it's been going well, yes. right? You, I would say, I would so. say,
2: okay. I would say it's gone relatively well,
0: yeah. So, you came to the Mets because, uh, rather unceremoniously, the twins kind of said bye bye after, as, after you,
2: as happens in baseball,
0: uh, you had what a bad week in triple A with the twins, and they were like, all right. Adios.
2: i had i had a couple of real bad days uh and we i i just have a very uh lengthy history with the twins of just it has it's been a rough ride and i think that everyone involved was probably, apart from me who was not part of the decision but everyone was just like yeah all right i think this is enough uh and i was once they told me i was just like yeah i know you're right it seems like enough
0: but that that i think uh, for us at least, has been kind of a blessing in disguise. And I hope you would agree because now you kind of have this opportunity to kind of come home in a sense. You know? Yeah,
2: uh, it's definitely a very cool uh, – or it would be a super cool roundabout story, uh, especially considering the fact that I did get drafted by the Mets and said no because everyone involved was kind of a dick.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was it uh, what was that like when you got the call from Double A AA to Triple A? I mean, obviously there's still one more hurdle here, but that's something that you, I think, you know, had been trying to really like get a a, a handle on with the Twins because you spent some time in their Triple A affiliate. But it, yeah, it definitely, that, I would imagine, it meant something to be able to to, to get back, even with just another team. Can yeah, to that? it's
2: like I am pretty confident in my ability to get hitters out at the Double A level. I've done it few different times for a few different in a few different places uh in all all honesty like my stint in Binghamton was really good and then went downhill quickly after a couple rough days but uh like overall like it was fine uh and my real concern is getting back my real concern was getting back to AAA so I could show to other people and also sort of to myself they're like yeah I can do this like I am fully like I'm fully capable of doing this uh sort of fucked at my last opportunity but um like i so far so far so good here Uh, and hopefully it stays that way but like just showing uh again uh, more to myself almost than anything else like this is i can do
0: this
1: yeah like you haven't peaked that like you can absolutely manage being in triple a which is and it's been something that i think also like another question that i would have is like you're on a team. I mean, every team has dealt with injuries this year just because of the the rollover from a COVID season where people weren't really like physically ready, but like you're really in the middle of this revolving door with AAA. I mean, you've been so for, for people who haven't, I think, gotten the feel for it. The basic plot line here is, Hack, you got promoted um, July 27th. Uh, so you haven't been in Syracuse like that long, so to speak, but even then, like just checking the transactions page, like there've been eight guys, seven of whom are pitchers who have, who have gone from the big leagues to the minors or vice versa. Um, I mean, how do you, how do you, I think, manage like that sort of constant up and down as somebody who's still, uh, you know, trying to get your place in, is it something that, I mean, how do you even like tune that out when things are changing so often?
2: Uh, it's really easy. Cause it's not me who's doing those things. Yeah, uh, It's just like, I know that that's not, Uh, like I'm sure it's annoying for the like it's difficult for those guys to be bouncing up and down but I'm not so uh, I'm trying to just focus on you know what's going on today what's the next step ahead of me which is just go out get three outs repeat as necessary
0: is it is it interesting or is it difficult as a as a staff in general kind of because there are some days where you don't really know who's starting for you guys. I know you and I briefly, I mentioned, like I went to the the S Mets game last week on Saturday, which turned out to be Trevor Williams first start in the organization. But you had told me that prior to that, it was going to be a bullpen day uh, and that there was a pretty good chance you were going to pitch. And then it turned out to be a Williams start and he went six innings and you didn't get in because uh, got to get Roel Ramirez going. Yeah. Um, but like, is it difficult kind of, managing a workload when you know some days you could be expected to go two innings and then you know then plans can change super quickly at the drop of a dime because the major league team does something that affects you guys
2: uh well it was the it was my second day in Syracuse where it was just like oh by the way we don't have a starter because they called up Akeem Bostick to sit in the bullpen in case somebody really screws up and I was just like all right cool so this is what we're doing uh, I threw two innings that day, 35 pitches, and when I was when I came out of my second inning, pitching coach was just like, hey, uh, you know, we're taking you out, you're done, good job. Uh, like, do you think you'd be able to go an inning tomorrow if we need it? Because we're still really short on pitching. I was just like, uh, maybe I'll let you know. And then it went to I didn't. We then got a bunch more pitchers. All of our starters have gone an absolute minimum of six innings every start for the last week, and I didn't throw for eight days. And we still, we have two guys in our bullpen who haven't thrown in nine and 10 days, respectively. Uh, So it's been very weird trying to adjust to, one, we just have a massive overload of pitchers, and this is the first time all year that's happened to these guys, I think. Uh, And we just have, we have two guys coming down, Jeff Hartlieb and uh, Jake Reed, who is, for the record, another former twin side armor. Uh, But the... It was, it was everyone like in a bullpen, you will complain about having to throw too much and you'll complain about having, you know, not having to throw enough. Uh, And we're currently way on the other side there where we have way too many pitchers and not nearly enough innings. And it's because our starters are doing really well, which is great. Like, that's great for them. I want them all to throw well. I want Josh Walker to throw no hitters into the seventh all the time. But (laughs) when it's like at a point where it's like okay like we used three relievers uh two days ago we used three relievers yesterday and we still have three guys who haven't thrown in a week like maybe we go hey josh you threw great we're through six we need to get some guys some work yeah it's Uh, it's just like it's frustrating uh and for me like i've developed a pretty decent routine uh that most catchers hate me for and it's literally that i play catch and then i throw 10 pitches off the mound every single day Mm -hmm. uh just so i know where i'm at and i have like some feel for the for the mound because pitching is the only thing you practice in a different environment than you perform in for, in yeah. all of sports. Mm-hmm. We do most of our throwing on flat ground, but you throw off of a mound. So why not throw off the mound more?
1: Yeah. And um, also just like stay, stay, I guess, like just alert as to like how your body feels too. Cause you never want to like on short rest, go out there and just feel like things aren't right while you're yeah. in your spot. No, I totally get that. Uh,
2: but it's very much just like, that's what I do every day regardless of how likely it is I throw apart from like, if I know I have the day off, I won't, but uh, that's what I do. I know it's difficult for some guys uh, who have different roles. I know that I'm probably not really throwing more than two innings. uh, So I can get away with that. It's not like I'm, I'm not Trey Cobb who might have to randomly start and go 65 pitches and throw three innings.
1: Uh,
2: But that's it's, it's been an interesting back and forth, especially going from like my first outing, like having to go two innings and then go again the next day, which I haven't done since I was in college.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, to like, Hey, uh, we have 15 bullpen pitchers. Most of them are more important than you. So,
0: and then there's the like other kind of, uh, side to it where you're recently 27. You've kind of been doing the grind for, you know, a few years, you entered the minor leagues in 2016. And now you're kind of on the doorstep a little bit with a team that's had a whole just boatload of injury issues. And you're like one guy hurt away from someone in that front office saying, let's throw this guy on the 40 man and see what he's got. Like, is that something you're aware of? And is that something that you're you're is affecting how you you uh, kind of approach each outing?
2: Uh, I think when I was in, when I made it up to AAA with the Twins uh, earlier this year, I think that I let that get in my head a little bit, That I was just like, oh, you're this close. Uh, And I've sort of approached it this time by saying like, wow, it's amazing that I'm at the highest level of the minors and I'm still not even close to like making it Uh, because it's not like one person getting hurt. Like if Miguel Castro falls down the stairs tomorrow, they're not gonna be like, damn, we really need Hackam they're gonna be like, wow. Who like, you know, we're calling back up Jeff Hartley, we're bringing back Jake Reed, like there's 18 guys in front of me somehow. Uh, And so that makes it way easier for me to just be like, damn, let's just try to like put together a good run here and like get some outs, punch some guys out, throw the ball in the zone. Uh, And like, I don't control if I, you know, make it or not at this point, really, Uh, I have some impact in how well I throw and even that is not entirely within my control. So I'm just trying to like I am an outlier, like I have sort of outlier stuff, and really all I'm trying to do is show that like I can throw the ball in the zone. That's what you need out of me, uh, and I am here if you need uh, another pitcher. <laughs> like I know that I'm not like high on the priority list here, but it's just, and I think that helps honestly. It's very much just like all right, let's just like. Put together a good month here finish out the season and see what happens
1: yeah for sure that's i mean yeah it's part of it is like i think it's a bummer for us as fans because i always liked in september when the the roster expansion was to 40 men 40 players it was something that like because you would always i think get somebody that you you know hadn't not necessarily someone you hadn't heard of before um but somebody who like wasn't on the, you know, the 40 man and, and, you know, was very quietly, like, really like playing well at, at their level, like a couple of years ago for the Mets, that was like Travis Tyrone, who um, it didn't necessarily work out, but he's somebody that I think, like, I always think of as somebody who like worked very hard for a number of years in AAA and, and got that kind of recognition. So um, it's definitely like, it, it, it's something that I think would be a lot of fun, just for all of us involved. And certainly for you to like, get that, you know, that moment, um it's, it's also one
0: thing to add to that this is a weird year too because yeah. first of all obviously coming off covid year but like the minor league season this year was extended thro- so now you guys are kind of paralleling the major league s- like uh schedule anyways so you're ending when the major league season ends so in a sense there's almost more opportunities for you to kind of turn some heads because instead of being done on september 3rd or 4th like the minor league season usually is you guys are done on like october 2nd So you have a little bit more time to kind of uh, put together that run that you were saying and finish out the season strong.
2: Yeah, it's sort of weird in that sense. Uh, But it's also like, at what point are they going to be like, yeah, you know who we need to help this bullpen? A guy who has no experience in the majors. And we were having a conversation about this last night, uh, me and a couple of the other relievers. Like, they'll just continue to like... The weird thing about baseball is that uh, there's this like... Once you make it to the majors, it's like this elite fraternity. It's just like once you have gotten an out there, people will just be like, yeah, well, he's gotten an out in the majors before. Like we can give him a shot again rather than like somebody else who has not gotten that out, but is, you know, throwing well wherever.
1: Yeah. Like negotiate.
2: Yeah. Like, it's just like, oh, well, once this, you know, we signed Zach Godley and he's starting for us today. I don't know how Zach Godley's doing. I know he was very good at one point, Uh, but it's just like, we are just like very clearly looking for anything that we could throw at the wall that might stick
0: yeah like jake reed is a good example you guys are effectively very similar pitchers in terms of stuff and in terms of approach you're both side armors you both kind of had the same pedigree through the twin system but right. neither put... one of us
2: was good enough to pitch for the twins
0: but he's and a guy I, who... and
2: i was here first
0: <laughs> but, but he's but he's jake a guy has five,
2: jake has five outings in the major leagues
0: yeah right. he he was getting some outs not in high leverage situations, but he was getting some outs for the Dodgers earlier this season. Yeah, and he's absolutely. on the 40 man. So he's the guy, you know, right. um, which also just kind of has to stink that it's like, Oh, now there's a side armor in up front of me in the depth chart. Yeah. Yeah. It's very,
2: it's frustrating. I, especially. Uh, especially. You, like, especially you played with. I never, I never played with Jake, but like I watched Jake rehab, Jake threw a hundred, just yeah. like from a normal, like three quarter arm slot. Yeah. And the twin, the twins were just like, nah, it's not good enough. You have to drop down. And now he throws, you know, similar to me, like ninety-one sidearm. Like, great. Like, I can't throw a hundred. This guy could. Yeah. That's tough, why right? did you? Why? How? One. How did you turn that guy into me? Effectively.
1: Yeah.
2: That is terrible player development outcome. And otherwise, why is he here? God damn it. <laughs> not that I don't like Jake. Like, he's a great person. <laughs> i really yeah. like he's a good dude it's just very frustrating for me it'd be the same thing if they were like oh we're gonna bring back trevor hildenberger or i'm sure josh Hedgeka feels that way about me yeah and just like ah oh, now there's this guy in front of me who's just clearly better than me in some measurable way
0: hedgka's even weirder though, than you though like he's so unique because he's he really drops down
2: except he doesn't i have a lower release height than Hedgeka.
1: yeah yours really? is pretty low. Yep. <laughs> Hetchka's like, Hetchka's... Hetchka
2: Hedgeke, bends all the way over and then stands back up, which yeah. I... Josh Hetchka uh, came to me in the offseason to write his throwing programming and like help him mechanically, mm-hmm. uh, and I tried to get him to do less of that, and yeah. then I got to Binghamton, and I played catch with him, and it was just like exactly what he was doing before. <laughs> I was just <laughs> like, damn it.
0: <laughs> but I tried th- to make this better. He's a smart guy, though. He's uh, super into the uh, pitch science stuff, and he spin axes and... and trying to get right you. i know that's why he's he was smart enough to
2: come to me to train him yeah, yeah
1: well you're the physics major right
2: i was a physics major that is true
1: is that's is that something that ever like like seeps into what you're doing as a pitcher where you think about that or is it it's physics. literally
2: is- literally not ever
1: yeah i yeah that was kind of a reach there like, i
2: i under i understand why baseballs move the way they do and yeah. that's interesting uh and more so it comes up when people try to make stupid ass uh bullpen conversation yeah out of, like well what about if the universe is actually just an atom in a molecule of a giant's, you know, coffee cup? It's not. So it doesn't really matter.
1: What if it's all Applebee's?
2: Yeah, exactly. Everything is Applebee's. That's, okay. uh, that's a Dustin Beggs, uh, one of our starters in Double A. That's one of his big hills that he's prepared to die on is that every restaurant is actually just Applebee's.
1: Uh, I've, I've read that. Like, yeah. I'll I mean- take the apple.
2: we're all out we don't have any apple i'll take the b
0: damn it (laughs) man
2: yeah yeah i i too am on the internet
1: yeah
0: yeah yeah. there's a lot we could talk about that we probably shouldn't talk about (laughs) (laughs) yeah like uh Uh, just a little quick reference to the friends of the pod little we won't delve into this but all i have to say i just have to say the word hog oh god no yeah no comment yeah. No, no hog chat. No hog chat with hack. Absolutely not
1: for this one. Big club, and you guys aren't in it. Completely
0: <laughs> alienating about ninety-eight percent of our listener audience right now. That's what.
1: Sick inside joke brag. Richard uh, staff yeah. is
0: li- rich staff is is listening right now, like laughing bang, his ass off,
1: banging on the table. Yeah. yeah, we do have some rapid fire ones just before we finish up. And again, oh yeah, bring it. I mean, this has just been like such a treat, very special <laughs> for us, right? Um, but we did want to just get these out there cause they, you know, think they may be fun. Um, who's your favorite player slash pitcher growing up? Cause I know you said you came up as a shortstop, so it may not have always yeah, been. Yeah,
2: I was, I was a Derek Jeter fan. Uh, and I'm going to say that my, I'm going to cheat the question and say my favorite pitcher currently, who is Zach Ranke.
0: Yeah. Okay. Wait, so you were your Queens guy through and through growing up, but you were a Yankee fan?
2: I was, yeah. I it was largely because I was a I played short and I was a Derek Jeter fan. Yeah. Over yeah. over a Jose Reyes fan at the time.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. Jose Reyes it, has more of an arm slot than uh he is more of your arm slot from shortstop. So
2: That's fair, but yeah. I didn't I didn't know what I was going to end up doing at the time.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's just so, funny.
0: Okay, so you've come up through the minors obviously having been through the minors since 2016-2017. You faced a lot of current oh. big leaguers, I'd bet. Who was, like, the toughest one to get out?
2: Uh, I'm going to bring this up just because it's a shame for me for my entire life that I'll never be able to write. Uh, I walked Tim Tebow on four pitches, and that's the worst thing I've ever done as a pitcher probably. (laughs) On the same day that I punched out Alonzo on four pitches. right? It was before he was good, but, like, it still happened, uh, and I still get to hang my hat on it. Uh, was weird. two days ago, I faced Derek Dietrich and Blake Swihart in the same lineup. And if it was 2016, I would have probably been fucked. Like yeah. I would have been in big trouble, but
1: even yeah, currently Dietrich. Yeah. I mean, he's, yeah. he's had stuff. That's man. How did you get Pete? Was it like a, uh, you like a slider
2: directly yeah. down the middle. He swung um, straight through it.
1: Yeah. That's sick.
0: That's so sick. then on the converse of that, who's the easiest, like, is Pete the easiest guy that you've like gotten out big leaguer wise?
2: No, uh, I uh, I own uh, Bobby Dahlbeck. He's my son. Yeah. I faced <laughs> I him. I, on I faced him ten or eleven times uh, between Cape Cod and spring training with the Twins, where we faced the Red Sox. He's put the ball in play once, and the only time it was to hit into a double play. Every other time, I've struck him out.
1: Wow. That's awesome. Wow. And that, in fairness,
2: I haven't I haven't really faced him in recent years at all. He's gotten a bit better at making contact, so I'm not going to say that still holds true. But currently, the hit I'd be least afraid to face is probably Bobby Dalback
1: Well, you can always just tell people when he's like, you know, tearing it up now that you that you beat his ass a couple of times, and people. Yeah, like, exactly. He's my best.
0: You'd be like, yeah, that. Go- oh, you see the problem there is that he left a fastball, middle, middle to him. I would have just thrown a slider away and gotten to roll over. Oh, i've I done
2: just, that before i the the bat i had against bobby every time in the cape it was i'd throw him a fastball he'd either take it or he'd foul it off
0: mm-hmm.
2: i'd hang the shit out of a slider and he would either take it or he'd pull it way foul and then i'd throw a good slider and he'd punch out
1: yeah yeah that's Makes a sense. fun sequence good sequencing. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah and then i would see him like i ran into him at the movie theater one time i forget what we were going to see But he was just like, every time you just fucking hang me one, I was just like, yeah, hit it fair. Yeah. Idiot.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, really. Um, This is a different one, uh, but it's sort of in the same vein. Uh, It, again, kind of speaks to, like, you know, how much you've uh, seen, uh, you you know, uh, through the minors. Who's the best pitcher? It's okay if it's, like, a big leaguer who was on rehab. It can really be anybody. But who's the best pitcher you've ever, like – shared a bullpen with or like watched a bullpen from like where you just see them throwing you're like holy shit like I'm in the same uniform as this guy
2: uh I'm gonna okay so performing at the current time that I was there it's probably uh it was 2018 Andrew Vasquez guy who went high to the majors for the twins Mm uh 2019 Randy Dobnak same idea uh current josh walker yeah i've seen him go i think i've seen three outings of his this year where he's gone at least six innings and allowed no or one hit Mm
0: -hmm. he did it again last night
2: yeah yeah
0: is he like Uh, a dude like he's a dude now right he's got to be a dude. i think
2: he is i just don't like he doesn't miss a ton of bats but he doesn't get hit hard either
1: Mm. uh
2: so yeah he might just be a dude um and, shit, I had one more. I had another one that was a technicality. Oh, it's that, like, currently for me, like, playing on the same team as, like, as Vance Worley is so cool to the part of me that is still, like, 17 years old and remembers when right. like, he was nuts. Like, he yeah. was so fucking good for the Phillies.
1: Yeah. He uh, was just disgusting. Like, it's yeah, I to think there was a time that the Phillies, like, I mean, Zach Wheeler is amazing, and when Aaron Nola's on – he's on and you could even say that like zach Eflin is like somebody that you know would would be great for the mets but like damn when they when worley was like their fifth pitcher like that was yeah
2: and he was gross yeah the animal like every like when i see him like warming up for a start i'm just like this is still pretty cool
1: yeah yeah definitely that's like yeah that's a good one too
2: And Uh, also and also watching Trevor Williams, who has effectively five years of major league service time pitching to triple A hitters is pretty it's like it's fun to watch because it's just like this isn't even like this isn't fair. Yeah,
0: Yeah. I can't imagine he's like thrilled to be in Syracuse, New York right now.
2: No, he's doing his best, I think, to not look pissed off. Mm -hmm. Uh, And just like, you know, like he's 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 also still making two five regardless of where he pitches. So good for you.
0: Yeah, he's Um, uh, he's he's pitching a little pissed off.
2: Yeah, most likely.
0: And then in, in his first inning of his first start in Syracuse, he gave up like a dinky two-run homer to Andrew Velasquez. He
2: sure did, yeah.
0: And then he was just like, all right, screw that. Yeah, You're not getting anything tur- off now
2: me. Now we're going to turn it on.
1: Yeah. Okay. And he was really good.
2: Yeah. Yes. He's he's quite good.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And um, so we got one more. Okay. And this is, uh, This is on, you know, this is assuming that these guys will be going to rehab. And it's also assuming that you will still like be in Syracuse, which like, you know, I, you obviously have more of a pulse on the situation than we do, but like, hopefully uh, it doesn't stay that way forever. And they do call you up, but if you're still there, um, who are you more excited to be on a field with when they're rehabbing? The answer is Jake DeGrom. DeGrom. It's Jacob DeGrom. It's the answer is Jake DeGrom. Yeah,
2: like That's I good. so he he came to talk to us at St. John's. We we had like a a fundraising dinner every year called the Bullpen Banquet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Meyer is really good friends with one of the Wilpons. I forget who. Um, and so for a couple of years, like we had the ones that were in my year. It was we had Bernie Williams, obviously Yankees, but then Matt Harvey the following year and Degrom the following year. Oh my god. Uh, And it was super cool. (laughs) Like, uh, and it was it was like it was peak Harvey, but Mm -hmm. it was Degrom like before he was the best pitcher who ever lived. But he was still very very good. Yeah. Uh, And it was super cool. Actually, goes into what we were saying before. Like, Degrom was super awkward, like talking to us and like answering questions and stuff. But Mm -hmm. like, when he like relaxed a little bit more, he seemed like a pretty normal guy. Um, I think I don't think there would be anything cooler than getting to see that guy pitch in person
1: yeah either him yeah I was thinking like pitching with Francisco Lindor behind you like cheering you on or something would also be cool but that would
2: also that would also be pretty cool uh if I didn't have already the spectacular work of Wilfredo Tovar behind me
1: That is true. He is definitely someone I'd want
2: to watch. Watching Tovar play is actually kind of incredible. When he turn when he's playing second and he turns double plays, he just doesn't look at first. He just (laughs) chucks the ball, and it is always right on the money.
0: Mister No Neck, Wilfredo Tovar. Yeah, that's
2: that's accurate.
0: He really just doesn't have a neck.
2: He does not. No, I'm not going to be able to look at him without thinking of that now.
0: Yeah. Tovar's a guy that we've
2: just one more one more person in that clubhouse I'm not gonna be able to look at without thinking of something, some outside reference. Oh god. Fucking <laughs> 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 fucking bozo.
0: Yeah. Oh okay. That's yeah. <laughs> Leave it at that. Leave it at bozo. Every
2: every time I see him I'm like, damn it. <laughs> I can never explain <laughs> this joke to this guy because it's three levels deep.
1: I don't think explain he... the joke to me either, but like Alright, so the, there's this I show don't...
2: where this guy <laughs> there's a sketch <laughs> in this show where he says this thing that sounds like your name and now people say it about you
0: jack ball well, uh, well, and then i get yeah. beaten
2: to death by jared eikoff
0: <laughs> <laughs> um oh man i was gonna say tovar is a guy that we have remembered on the podcast i don't know if you're familiar. <laughs> many times huh
2: many times just remembering yeah.
0: him i don't know if you're familiar i don't know if you've listened before but at the end of every episode jack and i each remember a guy Cause just pick
2: and remember a guy.
0: Yeah. You're on, you're on baseball Twitter. You understand how remembering some guys works.
2: Yes. We I do literally,
0: understand. we, we pick a former Met. We remember him, go through a few moments that we remember about him. Uh, we've got a whole list. Like when they, um when Tovar was DFA'd off the major league roster earlier this year, I remembered him now being a former two-time Met. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was uh, like when we had a, uh, Either Hedges or Hildy—I forget which one of the other sidearmers, because we're just like a sidearm nation podcast now, I guess. Apparently, uh, I think I remember Greg Burke. oh okay. Um, yeah. so, uh, we apologize for putting you on the spot here, but we are going to ask you to remember a guy. It doesn't have to be a Met; it can be someone you grew up watching. It could be another sidearm. Well, guy. I do.
2: I was going to actually bring this up earlier. I was going to remember this guy earlier, but. Uh... So on the topic of me, I was a big Derek Jeter fan, obviously, just as a product of when I grew up and who was playing shortstop uh, in New York. Uh, My brother, conversely, nine years older than me, was a massive Maglio Ordonez fan.
1: Oh, yeah. (laughs) That hair. No one liked him.
0: And then the huge moment, obviously, taking Houston Street deep deep to uh, go to the World Series.
2: Yeah. man houston i mean houston street is also a good remember remember him guy i was yeah. making fun of uh brad ronnie for closing out a game without punching somebody out i was like yeah. Who do you think you are getting ground ball you think you're houston street like what
1: was street a drop down guy i you're always not
2: that guy pal. no houston no. street just threw like 92 and he was just like you know cutter slider change up all the time yeah, yeah. it was what a really good change up though it was like a little
0: kind yeah. of floater.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, like MLB The Show put out a Houston Street cart earlier this year, and I was, like, excited to use him. And then I – because I was like, ah, oh, Houston Street, he was a good closer. And then I actually got to use him, and he was just incredibly boring to pitch with.
1: Yeah. Houston Uh-oh. Street is, like, one of those guys that, like, when I was, like, 13 and my only source of, like, Mets anything, like any, like, niche thing that wasn't, like, SNY, I would just go to, like, Mets blog. And they would every offseason from like the ages of 13 to 15, like Matt Saron would have an article like, should they pursue Houston Street? And it was like, yeah. yeah, they should. He's he's yeah, yeah, do it. But then they would like then they would just like kick the can and get like, you know, just a second rate guy who wasn't good. And like I've right. remembered yeah. half of them, so I won't go there. But um, you know, and then Houston there was the Street other thing. There's Street, the other Houston thing Street where it
2: also pitched with an H-web glove, just an infielder's glove. Yeah, a power move.
1: I no don't care
0: did. if you no see my, my grip
2: no one could see that that's malarkey yeah. yeah
0: and then there was the thing is that new yorkers were every time he'd pitch mets fans would be like houston street i thought it was houston street because the Garrett uh, did new that York.
1: like every time he used to be-
0: yeah every single time including my own father who is from brooklyn
1: right uh well sam who's <laughs> your guy
0: I was going to remember Trevor Hildenberger. I think it's, it's an apt time to remember <laughs> oh, yeah. Hilde.
2: This seems like an appropriate time to remember Hilde. Uh,
0: the last side armor that we've had, the last player we've had, a uh, friend of yours, another former Twins organization guy, um, another beautiful DMer, and uh, a guy who also kind of like you had a similar experience where you just, he kind of got left out to drive by the Mets.
2: Oh, he sure did.
0: Uh, against the i, Cubs? I
2: remember wa- i remember watching that outing and being like oh no like this is this is the, yeah, this we is right. it this
0: is
1: it we were all pissed about that watching yeah.
0: it, we felt so bad because he he threw like 40 some odd pitches was like looking okay and then like clearly was tiring out and gave up a grand slam and I, you yeah. had a similar like re- like you had a similar experience in binghamton towards the end of sure your did. tenure there where they just kind of left you out to dry and then you gave up a late home run and
2: Playing, playing against the lovely Altuna curve.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, trouble with the curve.
2: Yeah, a place that I will simply I that's a city that could just burn to the ground and the world would be no different for it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Rarely think about Altuna.
2: Yeah. I will remember Altuna one day. Remembering cities I played in.
1: Jose Altoona. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah, I'm I'm hilarious. Um
0: Altuna fish.
1: Yeah, I, uh, yeah I, I also had to, like, wear it in my, like, beer league on Sunday. But I was a starter. <laughs> they had me throw, like, 130 freaking pitches. Like, like it's the worst.
2: So it's also, a tough one. It doesn't not, feel good.
1: Not the same. Um, it's a lonely I keep, feeling. Like, to these guys. Um, my guy is uh, PJ Conlon. Uh, <laughs> thinking minor leaguers. Thinking guys that, like, I always wanted to get a call up. And then they did get a call up. And like, he was one of those dudes who didn't really stick around, but like his debut, they like kept filming like his, like extremely Irish grandmother, just like in the stands with like a picture of like, literally like a picture of Jesus. And like, she was like, like holding it close to her, watching him pitch. And like, it was against like the, you know, the, the very bad Brian Price, Cincinnati Reds. So like he got the win and like. That was really fun. I was, you know, I was enjoying that. He was another guy who was like under six feet, but like, you know, could actually kind of throw and had great minor league numbers, but
0: through like 88 from the left side and at, at most 88. Yeah. He, and, at, and at one point that was good enough.
1: Yeah. yeah. Uh I mean, as long
0: as if you could throw 88 from the left side and could locate it, you were a big leader.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Well, uh, they got Rich Hill now. It's, you know.
0: Yeah, we have Rich Hill now. Uh, PJ Conlon still Has one of my favorite baseball Twitter tweets of all time. The um, when the Mets DFA'd him and he got claimed by the Dodgers, and he put out that like thank you to the Mets organization tweet. Uh And then a week later, the Dodgers DFA'd him and the Mets claimed him. Yeah, just (laughs) with the screenshot of the same tweet, but he like crossed out Mets and put Dodgers and then (laughs) crossed out my so many years in the Mets organization and put my week with the Dodgers, it, it still like I occasionally when PJ's tweets pop up on my, my timeline, I'll just like, he still has it pinned, I think. And I'll just like, look at it. And it'll make me smile. Yeah. Because I, was, I I remember content. seeing
2: that one. That was fantastic. And then he popped up again when it was when Akeem got called up.
1: Yeah. He,
2: he was just like, ah, I should start playing catch again. Was yeah, like, <laughs> well, that's pretty funny. A little fucked
0: up.
1: He yeah, wasn't the only
0: guy. Did
2: that, yeah, no, there were a lot of those.
1: It's like, God, like I felt bad because it was like he's obviously only going to get like one game. And like everyone's like, oh, like you're just calling everybody up now. It's like, yeah. you know, you know like, like
2: it just, it just fell on his start day. It was just oh, like, yeah. all right, he's available to throw, you know, six yeah. innings if that's what we need.
1: I love Akeem. Uh,
2: he's a really nice guy. Uh, we've yeah. given him a lot of shit about yeah. now being a big leaguer <laughs>
1: <laughs> as he deserves, you know? <laughs> yeah, of
2: course. That's what we, you know, that's what you do to everybody when you got to buy you guys salt, salty that you're not.
0: Yeah, uh, did he got Frey Freeman out or something? Did, I don't know. Yeah,
2: some yeah, something like that. That was wild. He something always, that's way good. I mean, it's super cool that like we were uh, a bunch of guys were. In, I it was my second day there, but a bunch of guys were like, oh, like they were, like he left way before we got there that mm-hmm. day because he had to get down to New York, obviously. Uh, <laughs> and we were just like, oh, you know, like we missed like you know that's his first call up. Like it's a super cool experience. Like, yeah. uh, guys who have like been around AAA were like, yeah, like it's super like you want to be there for like the guy's first one. Cause like that kind of excitement is like, it's one of a kind.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. That was, that was hard too. Cause like he, I remember that game, I mean, it was pretty recent, right. But like he was warming up in the pen and they were down, like, I think it was, they were down three. And then the next inning, like they were basically, they were going to just like have a throw the, you know, the innings that they just, needed, Just eat it. Yeah. Just eat it. And then the yeah. team like almost staged a comeback. And while that was another guy warm, I was like, if this guy gets this close to playing in the majors for the first time and then gets like,
0: just gets dry humped.
1: Yeah. Just like, I'm so glad he did get that game. Yeah. I also kind of felt
0: bad because it was like the most obvious call and cut I've like, I've ever seen. Oh yeah. Like because Carrasco was coming back like two days later and it was just like, call him up. If he gets in a game, he gets in a game, but he's gone after that.
1: We were gonna acquire a uh, Kenta Maeda and then uh and then DFA him, you know. We we had some- <laughs> we were gonna get a big deal and then uh we wouldn't have to have this problem anymore. But you know, the picture. that was what, I'll I'll, I'll that, lay on the pitchers. that that
2: day when we or that whatever it was Wednesday we're in there and f- a fucking Mazika <laughs> is like I don't really understand what they're doing there. What are they gonna have him throw once and then DFA him? I it was just like yes obviously like that's clearly what's about to happen <laughs> like you're smarter than this pat
0: i love pat have fun in colorado he is, pat
2: he is a i really wanted everyone to go it wouldn't have worked because he would definitely have known that's why i wanted to do it during bp that day yeah that's just like everyone go out like pitchers all go out everyone go up to pat hug him and say <laughs> like well, well we'll decide on the team and say hey dude you're gonna have a great career in chicago like congrats man yeah
1: god <laughs> that's,
2: that's the so... only time that's the only time we'd be able to get him
0: he seems like the kind of guy who would fall for that too he seems a bit like a bit of a goober
2: he's not it's that's i mean he's a little bit of a goober he's constantly giving people shit and i really like it but uh he's very much like if something is happening he knows like if there's a transaction made he already knows as it ha- as it's happening he's on top of it wow right so like i I wanted to fuck with him specifically on it. I was like, "This is when we could do it," and everyone was just like, "Who are you? Stop talking to me!"
0: Uh, <laughs> Man, I would have been on that. He's also like kind of like not in the same sense that like you and, and us are like, but he's a little bit perpetually online too. Oh,
2: he's very online.
0: He he's got a very quick block, and occasionally he'll fire out a funny tweet.
2: No, I haven't followed him on, I haven't seen him on Twitter. To be honest, I don't really go on, I don't do a lot of tweeting anymore. I can kind of just on Twitter in the DM uh, Mm -hmm. and occasionally tweeting something. But I also realized that tweeting is actually just yelling into the void. And I just, you know, I type stuff out and I'm like, oh yeah, why would I bother?
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, You know, we're all going to die. The Alonzo tweet
1: was gold. That was a great tweet.
2: Yeah, that was a good one. It was appropriate because then a kid did actually get hurt. Yes. Yeah. Uh, So. I think it only took off because like oh yeah pete killed a kid uh yeah, yeah. uh yeah. retweet <laughs>
0: yeah, all right but... well this has been a pleasure tom i <laughs> think this is a good place to put a pin in it uh, Covered a lot of ground here um uh, yeah. not all of it people are going to understand so that's always no, the sign of a good be- interview
2: you gotta yeah you gotta throw something in there to confuse people
1: mm-hmm. yeah a little Just uh, better friends with, with us and you two can uh, can learn what we're talking about that's <laughs> that's how i see it anyway. join
2: join the group chat
1: I hope exactly. I don't, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> I
2: hope I don't jack off. Actually, <laughs> his last start, I actually did say that. I said it in the bullpen, and I just don't think anyone heard me or processed oh. it, or if they did, they were just like, what's wrong with this guy?
0: Oh, there goes the side <laughs> armor being weird again. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. All
2: right. I say, but, I say a bunch of weird shit. No one pays
1: attention.
0: Yeah, I'm the same way, so it's good. Yeah. Uh, can,
1: I mean, you get away with it. You're, you're a relief pitcher. It's Yeah, exactly. You're supposed to be weird or something, right?
0: Yeah. I was I relieved in high school. I get the mentality; it's different, but I get it. Oh, yeah. yeah. All right, that's <laughs> a it's a good place to put a pin in it. Yeah, I think for this so. week's Pleasant Good Evening podcast. Thank you so much to uh, Tom Hackamer. Tom, why don't you uh, let people know where they can find you on social media?
2: Uh, if you type Hack into any social media, uh, it's the word attack inserted into the middle of my last name. I came up with it when i was 18 and i thought it was the funniest thing ever and that has not changed uh you will find me on just about everything if you do that don't because i'm not funny or interesting but if you have bad taste then go for it
1: yeah i'm gonna add that you guys should all watch the uh the momentum blogs that he does uh there's a lot of interesting stuff that we did not get to cover just because he's that interesting you know he uh hack is
0: he's good with power tools
1: too yeah great with power tools great with um with with Beer, like brewing and whatnot, I'm not. I, I'm like, you know, such a novice slash not into it at all that I, I can't even like explain what it is. But it's really cool. Um, great sense of humor. It's it's also great if you want to learn how like people operate, you know, on the day to day and instructionals, and also at you know with with driveline products too. It's a lot of fun. Uh, definitely check it out. This it's it's. it's he gives us a lot of great uh, looks in also good musician that, that, that also we didn't really get to cover, but.
2: Oh yeah. That's a big thing. Yeah. Big part of big part of what I do when I'm not doing baseball.
0: For sure. So go follow Tom and uh, go yell at the Mets front office to call up our friend. And uh, we'll see you guys next week here on the plus good evening podcast for Tom Hackmer and Jack Hendon. Thanks for listening guys. Mets fans. Have a plus good evening.
2: Oh, mm-hmm. God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.